What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. A Dear Media original podcast. Hi, welcome to Good Instincts. I'm Shira Barlow, but you may know me as the food therapist. Join me every Monday through Friday for bite-sized episodes designed to help you close the gap between where you are right now and where you want to go. This should feel good, like really good. And it will, I promise. Today on the show, we have Sarah Nicole Landry, longtime content creator, mom four, and host of the Papaya podcast also on Dear Media. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited. So this week, we talked all about mood and Mm. getting out of a funk. And I wanted to know how you support yourself when you find yourself in a funk. You know, what's so interesting is I'm in a funk today. Are you? Yeah, I got my period and I always get like hyper anxious and I really second guess myself. And Mm. the problem with having a really hyperactive mind, which is amazing if you're a creator because you're constantly thinking of ideas and can have conversations on a whim and all that stuff is that it's really hard to shut off. So something I actually figured out a couple of years ago during the pandemic when everything just felt so loud and all of a sudden you were isolated with your thoughts, it was a lot... I picked up a video game and it was like, if I kept my mind busy, suddenly I was almost like in this strange meditative state. So I could be staying busy within the game, but my body was resting and my mind in a way was resting too, away from the things that were making me anxious and making me moody. So I don't drink and I don't really partake in much other things. So for me, it was like a really great way of having this downtime for myself to decompress. And I feel passionate about it now because I feel like women are often encouraged to find something like that, or it's really minimized as for men or for children. And the reality is it's helped me so much over the last few years. Oh, that is so interesting. Like what kind of game? It started with Animal Crossing. (laughs) Oh my God, I Uh, love that. Yeah, where you basically go into debt by like a raccoon on an island and you're building like a tent and then you keep doing all these chores for him to pay off your debts. It's real life, but in a game. So I did that for a couple of years and I really like played out the game. Like it was as much as I possibly could. I think at one point I looked at it and I was like, oh wow, like I put a lot of hours in. This last year I got into a game called Disney Dreamlight Valley where you're like rescuing all the Disney characters from their realms that they're stuck in. 
Sarah. And now I'm picking up Zelda. Like I'm starting Zelda now. It's I don't dope. like it's not like Mario Kart where you sit down and you're having like an intense race and then you put it away. These are games that are just like you can pick it up and you can play for a little bit and then you can put it away. And it just like keeps your mind going on little things. Same as like when I'm driving. If I'm driving, like this weekend I was driving in a winter storm and it was really terrifying. Uh. And my daughter's like, can't we just listen to music? And I'm like, no, because it's going to stimulate me. I need to think about something else. So for me, crime podcast, because I'm so hyper-focused on the storyline that I'm suddenly so calm natured about what's ahead of me. It like, it just all of a sudden like divides my brain where I can focus and I can do what I need to do. But at the same time, my brain isn't going into this, what I would call catastrophic thinking. Yes. Ah, that makes total sense. And I think that's so fun because it's so something I wouldn't expect. But this week we did talk about this idea of like having busy hands, you know, Mm, but but the type of busy where you're not like picking up after your kids or doing the dishes or whatever. It's like busy kind of doing something just for yourself. And you can't pick up your phone during it. The only argument is like, it's another screen. So I can get it from that point. But yeah, if I could have a pottery wheel in my living room, I would probably do that too. This is actually why I love podcasting. I find so much mental relief coming out of a podcast because I'm like, wow, I didn't have any distractions. I sat and had a conversation with people. It just feels so intimately connected without the constant pings of distraction that, to be honest, I've created in my nature. Whenever I talk to people who are like, I don't look at my phone until the very end of the day and then I reply to it and I'm like, <gasps> my family would think yeah. I was dead. Like, they right. would, my mom's always like, why haven't you replied 30 seconds later? Because that's the tone I've set, right? So I like that there's now quiet mode on Instagram as well. You can there set up is? a quiet mode. I there didn't know is. that. So now it has it. So if people are DMing you, it says, I'm currently set in quiet mode, which means I didn't get this notification oh. and like, I'll be back available when I come online. I don't know what the little message is, but really smart because it's a way of like respectfully telling people I'm actually not on right now. Right. When I'm traveling, I'll turn off story replies. Like there's different ways to create boundaries oh. so that you're not hyper consumed with stuff as well. But yeah, it's it's something to be more and more aware of, especially if your work is in the same places that you're social. So you have to be really sharp with your boundaries for sure. Oh, I love that. Both of those points I think are so important. And I also didn't know about the sleep mode. I think that's really smart. Way to go Instagram. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was watching your stories this weekend mm-hmm. and I saw that you were at a cheer competition for your daughter. Was yeah. When you were talking about it, I had this thing where I was like, oh, I wonder if she has like mixed feelings about cheer. Mm-hmm. And then you went mm-hmm. on to say so eloquently some thoughts about it. And I was wondering if you could share kind of your thoughts on cheer and your evolution with it. Yeah. So my daughter really had wanted to go into cheer. To be honest, she was in gymnastics and I think she saw cheer on TikTok or something. And I was like, okay, well, that just feels really <laughs> problematic. Like I was very terrified that it was going to be just a very like body triggering experience. And, you know, you want your kids to have somewhat autonomy over like what they're doing, but you also get really protective when you're projecting your own past over them as well. Right. And trying to like use your life experiences as a guide for theirs a little bit as well. And all I could think about was all these cheerleading movies in Canada. It's not like it is in the States where like every school has a cheer team or anything like that. I also didn't realize that cheerleading and cheer as a sport are different. So I learned that this weekend as well. 
But regardless, not knowing that separation, all I had known were movies and statements and shows about cheerleading and how it was like, if you were, you know, too large, you couldn't be a part of it. And if you were this, it was all like really thin white women were the projection of cheerleaders. So when my daughter wanted to go into this, I'm like, this is going to be rough. And she's in a really small cheer gym. And so we went to a cheer competition last year and I walked in and I remember being like, oh my gosh, the diversity in bodies, the diversity in ability. If there was something you couldn't do, or if you had a mobility aid with you, they catered to it. So you were still part of the sport (sighs) and the team like mentality around it. When there's like a younger team that's going, they sit around the edge of the mat and they cheer them on, they bang their hands and they cheer them on as they're going. And I watched these kids as they interact with each other. It was almost like when you work in customer service or in a restaurant industry and you're like, you don't survive this unless you really have each other's backs. And yeah, there's team sports all around, but this is very different when there's people flying in the air and catching them and you're so dependent on each other in in a way I've never seen. I couldn't stop crying the first cheer competition I went to because I think I was just so shocked that it wasn't this discriminatory place of bad body image. In fact, I felt a little bit of my own inner child was a little bit liberated, but Mm. being there and seeing how cool it was to be a part of this. And some people said that that's just sports in general, that we are evolving. I don't know, totally, but I think that it was a really beautiful moment for that, at least for me to sort of shed a lot of that judgment that I held and see my daughter have a different experience than what I maybe expected. Oh, I love that so much. I think when you walk in somewhere with one really specific thing and you're willing to like get your whole mind changed, I always have so much fun when that happens because you're like, oh, like I had all these thoughts about how it was going to be. And I walked in and I was like, I guess we'll see. And now I like walked out. I feel completely different. And like I was wrong. Yeah, I heard it once in the sense of dating. There's no such thing as a bad date because even a date that didn't go well, you learn something about yourself. And so I'm trying to take that a little bit and apply it to life. when you have experiences that you don't like, when you have a meal that you genuinely tried for the first time and you didn't like, you learned something about yourself and you went there and you gave it a shot, right? So I love sort of approaching life that way a little bit more. And I didn't grow up playing sports. And to be honest, I was a very chubby kid growing up. So I sort of made the decision out of self-preservation and protection of, Mm. I don't need to have another layer of people telling me how I need to look in order to do this. So to like have that experience and then watch your kids be like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to play. This is what I want to work towards. I'm going to train for it. I'm going to do all this stuff. Honestly, it's been inspiring. And now I like somewhat decided that I want to run in like a half marathon or maybe even like a 5k or 10k. And I've always hated running, but I'm like, what if I don't hate running? What if I've just like never really allowed myself to enjoy it? So now I'm just approaching it with a new lens. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think having a practice that you can slowly chip away at, that's like, free and just yours. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do outside if it's snow. I just realized that it's like snowy where you are. So maybe you're doing it on the treadmill. (laughs) But I think having something like that, that's just for you and you could do it at any time of the day if you wanted to. And it's just Mm -hmm. kind of this thing that like literally you go as slow or as fast as you want, but it's like yours. I love that. 
It was really cool too, because I have only been working out at home for the last few years. So the last time I'd stepped into a gym, I was in a really disordered state. I was in a state of you work out in order to shrink your body. So you do it to erase the food you ate. You do it to be a form of self-hate essentially. And now I'm going and it's like a totally new experience. And I think the fact that five years ago in that very same gym, I had a very disordered experience and now I'm walking back in and I'm claiming it in a different way and I'm enjoying it is really healing. It's really neat. Uh, That is so wonderful and so healthy and so special. And I'm so glad that you have that. And like you were able to kind of like open your mind up to it because Mm -hmm. I mean, that really is such growth in general. Yeah. Obviously, you talk so much about body acceptance and body positivity. And it made me think about something which I have shared before, which is that after I had my son, Oliver, who's four, I have this practice after the bath where I like rub oil everywhere. But I was so like, uncomfortable with my stomach in that moment that Mm. I realized I wasn't like even putting oil on it. Like I wanted to like not acknowledge that that was a part of my body. Mm -hmm. And then I had this whole thing where I was like, oh, I feel like this is actually the part that needs the most love. And I had seen something you had posted that was really, really powerful about you and the way that kind of manifested also with intimacy with your husband and like letting him be with you and accept you in a way. And I was wondering if you could speak to that because I think it's just so special. Yeah. So my stomach has a lot of loose skin. I've ebbed and flowed through a lot of weight and four children. So context is I have a very loose skin stomach with stretch marks and I'm now laying on my side. Even if you don't have all of those things laying on your side, everybody's belly pools a little bit to the side. There's a lot of unwritten rules on you don't touch that. So here's what I wrote. The first time I laid on my side and Shane reached around to hold me and touched my stomach, we both flinched. This was a rule that had now been accidentally broken. So now what? Because I was mortified. For years, I'd been hiding and curating my body to be strategically as attractive as it could be because the narrative in my mind told me my body was for others. This moment, I felt ruined it all. He reacted apologetically as he moved his hand away from my stomach. Acting in pure emotion, frustration, and impulse, I placed my hand on top of his and I brought it back to my core. Our hands stayed there as he held me. I allowed him to wrap his arms around me as silent tears streamed onto my pillow. Not tears of pain or mortification, tears of comfort, tears of safety, tears of relief, and tears of realization. He merely wanted to hold me and I merely wanted to be held. So that day I let myself be. That day I finally stopped trying to have my body feel like it was merely a benefit or burden to others as if it was its purpose. This was my body and I deserve to be held. So that's Mm. what I wrote about that experience. And then I talked to my husband about it because it got a lot of attention. I first wrote that like a few years ago. I usually repost it once a year because it's like one of like, it's like that moment that like changed your life, you know? And he was like, I do not remember that. Oh, really? (laughs) He's like, so, but that's kind of the point, isn't it? Yeah. And you know, there was another moment when I think we were on our honeymoon and you know, when you like bend over and your boobs hang in Mm -hmm. like a way and like my stomach does that as well. And I was like bent over in a bathroom and this bathroom had a window into the bedroom and I hadn't clocked that at the moment. So I'm like bent over in this like weird position, like doing something with the towel on the floor. And all of a sudden I hear his voice say, you are so beautiful, you know? And I was like, (gasps) 
my whole body. I was like, no, 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 no. He did not just see me in that angle doing that. And then I think about it too, because like whenever you see your partner in a way that you know that they're just them, there's like an intimacy and attraction that's reached. And I feel that. I feel that whenever I see him in a new angle or a new way, but when, or like even like sex in itself, like how intimate it is, what you're experiencing together. And yet here we are. He's like, you're so funny because you, we were talking about like how I was so insecure about getting on top because of my stomach. And he's like, but I see your stomach every day. And like, I want that. Like that's, that's attractive to me. And sort of like that deep unlearning of I am not unattractive. This isn't wrong. My body is doing a great job. We're here. Why are we holding ourselves off from beautiful, intimate, pleasurable moments or just intimacy and love because our body doesn't look like what a magazine did? It's so, again, the word disordered, right? So I'm really glad that, again, like chipping away at these experiences. Now my husband holds my stomach all the time and I don't even think about it. It's not even a thing. When you wrote that, like he just wanted to hold me and I wanted to be held. And like, that's Mm -hmm. as simple as it was. And that must have been amazing for your intimacy after that. Like, I'm sure he was so happy and you were so happy because it deepened everything in a way that I think is so special and safe and healthy. Yeah, exactly. Right. And healthy in every sense of the word, like healthy mentally, emotionally, physically, yes. like those are to be held by someone that loves you is is special. It's so healthy the way you're saying that, because to me, like when I look at you and like some of the posts, like you wrote something about how like you actually had gratitude for your stretch marks. And I mm. think that's like the upper echelon of that's <laughs> like the higher power. Yeah. But I think knowing and celebrating people who like aren't there and are like wearing a shirt to have sex or whatever and like being there. But I will say like when I read that and I know there are like people listening being like, how? Like couldn't imagine feeling that way. I wanted to hear you speak about it because I think it's just really, it's really cool. Stretch marks probably had the biggest grip on me. I think out of everything, I always knew I had cellulite. I always knew like all these certain things. I always knew that my body was a bit bigger than my peers. And you're very aware of that when you're younger and you go to stores and nothing has your size. But when I got stretch marks, that was a real blow because I'd never seen them on anybody else before. I'd seen tiny ones and people sort of like these shimmery little white marks. And I got these full blown half inch wide, six inch long, bright red, painful stretch marks all the way up to my ribs. And I'd never seen anybody with them. And so I wept. I was 21 when I gave birth to my first and I was 25 by the time I had three. And I'd gotten very used to just like, I even my maternity photos, I asked the photographer to blur them out. It was just not something I'd ever seen before in my life. And I remember when I was going through weight loss, I used to be a weight loss influencer, if you can believe it. Ah. And uh, yeah, so I heal out loud. (laughs) (laughs) But again, like stretch marks were like this big thing. I was very like in the high rise. I would show like an inch at the top of my pants of like my stretch mark showing. Those would go viral. Like, oh my gosh, she has stretch marks on her stomach. And I guess I was sort of like putting my toe in the water a little bit of talking about some of the realities of weight loss and having loose skin and like showing my stretch marks. And I was wearing a bra from a brand called NYX, K-N-I-X. And they asked me to come and model in a shoot. And I was like, no. And then she said, we're not doing the shoot without you. And Mm. we laugh about that story now because I was like, I don't even know what would have happened with my life if she hadn't pushed me to be there. And I got there and I assumed they would have me in high rise. You know, like I'm the one with stretch marks up to her ribs. They're going to put me in high rise. Everybody puts me in high rise. 
And they had me in a low rise underwear Um. and I was sort of shocked and embarrassed and freaking out, but I kept going with it. And like, as the day went on, I felt really, really liberated that I was even like there and standing there and like slowly less freaking out. But when that photo came out, my reaction was, no, 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 this isn't good. Like this is against the image that I have projected online that I have like grown my business with. And now there's like this very, what I saw as flawed image. Even though I had this like smile on my face in that moment, I was just, all I could focus on was those stretch marks and how deep they were and how tall they were. And of course they were not posted on my page. They were posted on theirs. So I went and I read the comments and I remember just scrolling through thousands and thousands as this photo is becoming viral very quickly of people saying, oh my gosh, that looks like my stomach. Mm. And I've never seen it before. But I do recognize that in that moment, and this is the key for me, it was like this secret I was holding And the second the secret was told, it lost its power. Uh, There's a quote about that somewhere. So I'm taking it from that. It It did because it was like, well, this thing that I've curated my life around hiding is now suddenly out there. It's very viral. Nothing really changed except that I found out that other people also look like me. And not only that, but they're like celebrating it. This is a really interesting moment. And so now, even though I don't really feel shame around them, I feel gratitude. I feel respect. I feel understanding towards them. I don't really have like a huge swing of emotion. I think that I got to heal in real time and out loud with people as I got to see from my own eyes how normal it all was and how natural it all was and how amazing it is that stretch marks or stretch even by the definition is to expand without breaking. And isn't that the most beautiful thing to think of that when we go through life and we go through change, we are being expanded and we are not breaking. That is the final line. And so I think about that when I look at them, I'm like, this is evidence of growth without breaking. And I just love that. So I love everything about them. And I'm really grateful that they allowed me to expand and grow four beautiful children and grow my own life and body a million times over. I'm very grateful. That is so powerful. And the thing is you hear people say that they're like, oh, I'm so proud. And like my body carried these four kids. But like to hear you say it like that, like I get it. I actually really do Mm -hmm. get it. And I think that is so incredibly beautiful for people to hear. And I think that you're just doing such an important, special thing by being a voice in this space and another person that people can look to, to see that and have that representation. I will say the one thing about stretch marks that I think is still flawed in the language. and, And unfortunately, my story is around having children and that's when I got the most of them. But many people will not carry children, will still have bodies evidenced with stretch marks. And I think a lot of them feel very, lost in the messaging of celebration of stretch marks. And whenever I say, you know, my body carried life, everyone immediately goes to, yeah, you carried kids. What about me? And I'm like, it carried life. Like your body carried life. Your stretch marks are evidence of life it carried because you count. So for anybody listening, you're like, I don't have four kids and I have all the stretch marks up to my ribs. You count. Your body has carried you. That is the biggest and longest running relationship out of all of them. So celebrate that too, right? I think that especially postpartum, a lot of people don't really know how to value their body again after it's been so celebrated for like accomplishing a task. In that same way, if you never go on to have children, never desire to or don't, your body is still carrying a life and it will show evidence of that in many different ways. I think that that's absolutely right. And I think that the stretching without breaking piece is so Mm. incredibly powerful because I think that can happen no matter what, whether you had a baby or not. And 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Growth is growth. I've never heard it said that way. And I've heard people talk about this concept as mm-hmm. a beautiful thing of, you know, body acceptance and body positivity and all that. But I haven't heard about it this way where I actually really buy it. Like I obviously bought it before as like a really yeah. important yeah. thing. But like yeah. hearing you say it that way, I so see you being so empowered. And I so see mm-hmm. those pictures coming out and you seeing like literally like boom, 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 all the comments coming in being like, she looks like me. That's what I look like. And people see you and you're stunned beautiful. And they were like, I'm her. Like, she's me. I Yeah. And I think that's it. We spend way too much time seeing our own reflection. Even if you are the quote unquote, most perfect to the mold, everything, you will still find fault within yourself because we spend way too much time with ourselves. So when you see something reflected in someone else and you find it beautiful, it almost gives this like glimmer of opportunity of like, wait, have I just been staring too long at my own body that I missed the beauty and I missed what other things it is. And I think too, like just back to your comment about like body acceptance and body positivity, these are really cool conversations to have as well, because I actually don't label myself as body positive because that movement was created and championed by mostly fat activists, those who are in marginalized bodies. So I really have learned over time that Body positivity is not something that somebody who's still thin and white taking the stage for. Oh, interesting. Where I do like to live in is is sort of what you said, that body acceptance, body neutrality, but like more so just like finding your confidence in the body you have enough to show up in the life you're living. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. Even body acceptance, I'm like, it's kind of freaky because you're like, what if you accept your body and then it changes again? Then you're like constantly in this loop of like, oh my God. So how do you find confidence? in the everyday of where you are right now and where you're going. And that's what I'm working on, I guess I'll say. Sarah Nicole, this was so special. I'm so grateful that I got to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much. You're like an incredibly special person. Thank you so much. No, it was a really great opportunity to sit and share some of the seeds of things that I've learned over a very wild and difficult and winding journey. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Good Instincts, hosted and written by me, Shira Barlow. You can find me on Instagram at Shira underscore RD. Good Instincts is a Dear Media Daily produced by Katherine Hugh. If you like this episode, please make sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening. And don't forget to rate us.